Well, good morning once again to all of you. Um, that was a beautiful prayer, a powerful prayer. Thank you, Ian, for leading us in that. And I just want to welcome all of you. It's so good to be with you here in the house. God is in the house. Amen. Amen. And God is in your house for those of you tuning in from home today as well. And I hope that you can say amen from the den on that, too. And for those of you that may be joining in or tuning in for the first time today, my name's Andy. I serve as one of the pastors along with Pastor Ann here at The Way. And we want you to know that you're always welcome here as part of this community where we're committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Amen? Amen. Amen. I saw a funny Facebook post yesterday. It kind of plays into where we are in this sermon series today. And it's from Beth Long. And and she said that her daughter, Eleanor, those of you that have seen little toddler Eleanor that's in here usually at 11 o'clock, she's kind of running around in here. And sometimes in kids section, she's learned that inevitable two-letter word. Do you know what that two-letter word is that toddlers learn? No. No, but but there's another word that I want us to reflect on and the, the opposite of it this morning, and that's this. It's a four-letter word that we often learn as kids. Do you know what that word is? It's one that when we're on the playground and we're playing with toys and someone grabs something that maybe we were playing with, what's that four-letter word? Mine. Mine. It's all mine, right? It's all mine. As the image shows on the screen. But, but you know, that that's... We grow up, we, we don't oftentimes outgrow that mind mentality, do we? Let me prove it to you. Put your hands on your pockets or on your purse today. If I were to ask you to describe what's in your pockets or in your purse today, what would you say? My keys, my phone, my wallet, my checkbook, my, 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 my. We live in a world in which we think of things as our own, mine, right? We don't outgrow that sometimes. And yet, as followers of Christ, we're called to see the world and to see the things within our hands as something quite opposite as that that which we own, but rather we steward. We're called to be managers rather than owners. And there's something that changes in us when we begin to see the world as God sees it and when we begin to see the things that he's placed in our hands as he intends to as stewards. It has a way of changing our priorities. It has a way of changing our outlook. It has a way of changing the impact that we can have on the world and the lives around us, even our own life, when we begin to see it that way. And so today, we're going to wrestle with another core value that all Christians that thrive across the world and all the ages share in common, and that is of stewardship. And probably perhaps more than any of the other messages that we share in this series, this one's going to meddle with you guys. Because it's been meddling with me. And, and I'm not the one meddling with you. It's God's word that's going to meddle with us this morning. But may we be open. May we be open to move the Holy Spirit. And allow God's word to meddle in our lives in such a way that we would be able to be open to this core value of stewardship in our life. Amen? And to do that, I want to I read a story that Jesus told this morning. It's a little bit of a longer story. But I encourage you to open up your Bible. Uh, or open your Bible app, or simply look to the screens. And I'm going to read a story that Jesus is telling. It's called the parable of the gold, bags of gold. Some people call it the talents, if you look in Luke's gospel. But I'm going to read in Matthew's gospel, beginning in, in chapter 25, verse 14. Hear God's word for us this morning. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. 
And the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you were not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker. So then when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one that has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I told you he's meddling with us today. Let us pray. Abba, Father. I pray that you would move in this moment as we continue to worship you. May we bring all of our questions to mind. May we bring all of our fears to mind. May we bring everything to you this morning. May we lay it at the foot of the cross in this moment so that we might be able to be still and to know that you are God, to be still and to hear your voice, to meditate upon this, your word, and encounter the risen word, your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray through the power presence of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would move in and amongst us and even in spite of us this morning so that we would hear and we would respond in a way that only you desire for us. And we would be different than when we came this morning. I ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You know, Jesus had a a way of driving home a point through storytelling, right? That was one of his tools of the trade, if you will. And, And this scripture reading is one of those said stories, isn't it? It's one that seems simple enough, right? This master has this wealth and he's distributed it to all of his servants. Notice that they get different amounts, but everyone gets something from the master that they're entrusted with. And the first two we're told to go and they invest what's been entrusted to them. They double their money, so to speak. I'd, I'd like those odds. Any of y'all like to double your money these days? If you own a house, you can probably do that here in the U.S. But double the investment. But the third one didn't. The third one decided to bury it rather than invest it. It it, it was not only buried, it went unused, having been buried. Have you thought about that? 
It's a simple story, so to speak. And, and the disciples, you know, these disciples are a little slow on the uptake sometimes, right? Y'all remember these are the disciples? But I imagine in this story, they knew exactly who the characters were. The master was Jesus himself telling the story. And the servants was each of them that were hearing it then. And also the servants like ourselves, those of us that have professed faith in Christ today, because Jesus was talking about a journey that he was going to go on. And in the time that he was telling the story, he was foreshadowing what was about to happen. And it's the time that we're living in right now. He was foreshadowing past his death on the cross for all of us and overcoming the grave so that we might be free from sin, that he would then go and be with the Father in heaven. He would ascend into heaven. But the promise was that he would return one day. And that's the time that we live in today. We're still in the time that Jesus was telling in the story. And the way the story ends is that Jesus is coming back and he's going to check in and see how we have done with that which he's entrusted to us. Seems simple enough, doesn't it? Close the book, we're done, right? Sermon's over, right? But not so quickly. Because I think there's something that we struggle with to grasp. And that is, what is it that God's entrusted to us? You realize God's entrusted each and every one of us with gifts. What is that something that God's entrusted you with? I got news for you this morning. That something is everything. Everything you have in life comes from God. After all, God owns it all. And perhaps that's why we struggle so much. You know, Moses got this. He wrote in Deuteronomy these words. It says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything, not just some things, everything in it. And the one that captured in Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles and First Chronicles, we find this. It says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. Isn't that an amazing way to describe God? Yours is the greatness, the power, the glory, the majesty, and the splendor. Why? There's the word for. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. You see, therein lies, I think, the rub for most of us. It's because of the way in which we relate to the things that we have before us. Even our relationships that we're in. We think of them as our own. We think of it in terms of ownership rather than stewardship. But God's word consistently from the very beginning through all the way through Revelation reminds us that it's not ours. It's God's, including we are a gift of God. You see, we're called to be stewards rather than owners. And that's a hard thing. It's a slow thing for many of us, at least it is for me, to learn and to live into that idea of being a steward rather than an owner. The things, the time, the talents, God's truth. The, the, the relationships that I have in my life. You see, we're called to be stewards. So let me give you a definition of stewardship. Here's what Merriam-Webster defines stewardship as. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Let me say that again. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. You, know, you could argue that that third servant was careful with what had been given him. He buried it. He made sure no one took it. It didn't get stolen, but it went unused. But was it responsible? Was it responsible to, to, to bury what God had blessed him with, what the master in this story had given him? 
You see, from the very beginning of Scripture, God speaks, when he speaks into existence all of creation, we find this understanding that we are called to be stewards. You see, Adam was placed in the garden to cultivate it. He didn't create the garden. He was placed there to cultivate it. We're to be stewards of God's creation. The very first thing that we see that we're bestowed upon to be stewards of is what God has created. And he placed us in it. Much like the servants in this story were entrusted the wealth of the master, Adam was entrusted with stewarding the garden. You see, God's entrusted everything to us. Think about it. What's been entrusted to you? Time? Every single one of us has the same amount of time in a day. There's 24 hours in a day. Sometimes we wish we could stretch that, right? Sometimes we wish we could shorten that, right? I know our kids, my kids at least, we're coming into winter break. They wish they could shorten this past week in order to get to spring break, but you can't. We're all given the same amount of time. Our talents, our treasure, the truth, the relationships we have, all of these things have been entrusted to us. And the reality is, is that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to check in and see how we have done with that which he's entrusted to us, the resources that he's given us. Which leads me to this point. And this is what I've been wrestling with this week is why do we struggle? Why do I struggle with this? Why do you struggle with this? I think if you're honest this morning, you probably won't raise your hand, but do you struggle with this? Do you struggle with the idea of seeing what's within your possession is not yours, but God's? Your house, your home, your cars, your keys, your wallet, everything is of God, not of your own. You know, a lot of times we think of it as our hard-earned money, right? At least I was taught that way. I was raised that way. Strong work ethic, and and it's hard-earned money, my money, right? We struggle with this. Well, well, perhaps the reason that we struggle with this is because we haven't grappled with and we haven't embraced fully the greatest gift we could ever receive. And that's the gift of salvation. That is the gift of unmerited favor. That is the gift of God's grace. You see, the God that owns it all, the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as the psalmist said, said, I love the world so much that I will give my one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, God's a provider. Even when Adam and Eve decided to be God rather than be with God, what did he do? He sewed clothing for them. What did he do for the Hebrew people? Even after delivering them from bondage, they get into the wilderness and they start bemoaning and wanting to go back to the way things were. It's like they got amnesia, how bad it was. He provides manna and water in the desert. What do we find him doing when Hannah is on her knees crying out to God and the priest there thinks that she is punch drunk, but she's just praying to God, would you just grant me a child and I will dedicate that child to you. He provided Hannah with a son, Samuel, who would anoint the first king of Israel. You see, the same God that provided throughout all of the historical record in the Bible It's the same God that's provided for each and every one of us. Not just a way, but the way out of the bondage of sin and shame and selfishness that we live in. This mind mentality that started with Adam and Eve in the garden and continues to affect us today. God provided the way through his son, Jesus Christ. 
And I think when we begin to grapple with that, when we begin to embrace that, really we begin to start seeing things differently, don't we? I, I know that I've seen it in your own lives, and I've seen it in my own life. And, and I want to share a little bit of a testimony today about how I came to grapple with this. Because, you see, I came to embrace Jesus as Savior as a 14-year-old. Jesus was my Savior. He was gumball Jesus. Any of y'all got gumball Jesus? Hey, when you need Jesus, you put a quarter in. Hey, Jesus, will you help me with this? Hey, Jesus, will you help me with that? You know, that's what I understood Jesus to be in my life, in my relationship. It would take some 20 years. I was like those disciples that were a little slow. Before I began to grapple with the reality that God, through Christ Jesus, wanted to be Lord of my life and Lord of everything in my life, my relationships, my finances, my, my treasures, if you will, the talents that God had blessed me with. And the way that God did that for me, the, the thing that God had to get through my head was, was through finances. You see, there was a move of the Holy Spirit back in 2010, 20, 2000. Well, it started earlier than that. It started back in 2007 where I was in a small group with Kristen, and we were convicted through the Holy Spirit of the way that we gave. We, we gave often of our time and our talents and our finances, but we were tippers, not tithers. We, we tipped to God rather than tithes to God. It was like when you go to dinner, you know, you tip after having received the meal. That's the way that we gave. We were very active in another church, Dunway United Methodist Church, who formed us in many ways as young adults. We were very active in the young adult ministry, helped lead retreats. We were very active with the youth, and that youth pastor mentored me in so many ways. We gave. We even gave to the capital campaign because they tore down that sanctuary and built a new one right on top of where the old one sat because they didn't have any land. But we realized that we were doing it with leftovers rather than first fruits. And when you see in Scripture over and over again, you see it with Abraham giving a tenth to Melchizedek. You see it with Abel bringing the first fruits, whereas Cain didn't. You see it over and over again, even in Malachi, this calling to to bring back to God the first ten percent, not the last, to God. And it began to convict us in that way. And so we began in 2008, in earnest, to tithe. That is, the first 10% of everything that came in the house, gift or through a paycheck, went into ministry, mission and ministry. And let me tell you what happened. We lived happily ever after. Y'all believe that? Y'all remember what 2008 was like? The market crashed. Uh, my salary, 25% of it was incentive pay. Guess what? It evaporated overnight. We were in the largest house with the largest mortgage we've ever had with a toddler and with an infant in there. Things were tight, and we didn't know how we would finagle it. But we continued to be faithful to putting back to God the first rather than the last. And let me tell you what happened. It began to reorient the way we looked at the other 90% too, because God owns it all. Not the first 10%. He owns it all. It reprioritizes the way we spend our money. It reprioritizes the way we spend our time. It reprioritizes the relationships that we're in. It, it transformed our lives in a powerful way. We would go into 2009 and we would face an epic flood. That historic flood hit our house. I'll never forget the frantic call I got from my wife. 
I was on the airport in, a, in, a, in an airplane on a tarmac, and she, she was crying out. She says, our basement is now a kiddie pool. And she didn't know what to do. Thanks be to God for flood insurance. And, and, and that's a story for a whole other day. But I'm here to tell you that in that time, every bill was paid on time. Our kids were fed. They were clothed. And the joy and the peace that Chris and I began to experience in that season was something that I cannot explain to you. But in the turbulence of a downturn in the market, downsizing in the industry that I was a part of, God gave us this sense of joy and peace that was so profound. It was a tremendously growing place for us spiritually in that season. We began to realize that not just our finances, but our time, our talents, our relationships, everything belonged to God. And God entrusted that to us, even our very lives. You see, each of us are, have lives, and our lives are resources, and we are responsible to do something with them. Let me say that again. It's on the screen. Each of our lives are a resource, and we are responsible to do something with them. What are you doing with your life that God's entrusted to you? That's what I think we're to wrestle with today. You see, coming to that reality changed things for Chris and I. It changed the way that we think and the way we see what's in our hands. How we look at our home, how we look at everything that God has blessed us with. It's something not to possess, but to rather invest to make an impact on the lives around us the way that God had made an impact on our own lives. And I'm here to confess to you today, we are not perfect. And in the flesh, we, we struggle with that. There's still a mine mentality with things in our lives. But we're convicted that God would not have us look at them in that way. And I imagine that I'm not alone in that. How about you? What do you have a hard time letting go of and allowing God to use? You hold on to, you latch on to. You see, I think we're called to, to, to begin to let go and let God move in and amongst the things that he's bestowed upon us. And I want to take a moment this morning to brag on, on how this community has done that in so many ways. You know, it, it, there's a family within this community that ended up homeless. They sold their home but couldn't find another one. And in the midst of that, they took on an immigrant that left their home with nothing but the shirt on their backs and welcomed them into their home. That's stewardship. I sit here and I see Dottie and I see Ann sitting next to each other. And Ann, after having been in the hospital for a little bit of time, needed somewhere to go to be checked in on and taken care of in rehab so that then she could return home. So they displaced the apple cart of how they live. Trisha and Dottie and Ann, all three gang together for about a week and a half or two weeks. That's stewardship. I watched last week at Super Bowl of Caring. There were so many bags of food up here and downstairs. It was holy chaos if you went down to Georgia Dawson last week. But you know what amazed me? It was not only that, but as I looked up on the steps, there was a teacher. And an old student of hers had come up and sat beside her. And she was speaking words of encouragement into the life of that former student of hers. That's stewardship. I'm amazed at how many of you not only tithe, but you have faithfully and sacrificially given to making room in an addition to that. That is stewardship. 
I am so touched, and many of y'all don't even realize it, that, that despite not even having the space available, we have made room for yet another church plant with George and Carol Houston. They, they're planning a church over in River Ridge High School, and they have nowhere to prepare and to pray and to plan during the week. They only have access to the building on Sunday morning. So guess what we've done? We've allowed them to meet in here. Their praise team has sung in here gospel hymns. It was beautiful the other night. That is stewardship. You see, there's so many ways that I see each and every one of you and us collectively reaching out and stewarding the things that God has blessed us with. And Peter, the one that sat at Jesus' feet hearing that story of the parable of the talents of these gold bags, would see that his very life was one in which God had given him. And so he gave his livelihood to the church. And to the mission ministry of drawing others in. And he wrote this in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4.10. It says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you. Not some of you. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So I ask you again, what has God entrusted to you? What's God entrusted you with? The gifts are as diverse as the people I'm looking at right here. But each is a gift of God's grace. What has he bestowed upon you? What has he entrusted you to and with? I imagine some of y'all know what that is. God's meddling with you this morning. I told you, I'm not the one meddling with you. It's God's words meddling, right? It's been meddling with me this past week. But I imagine the Holy Spirit's meddling with you and prompting you that there's something, or many things, perhaps, that God's placed in your care. That he's entrusted to you for careful and responsible management of. Maybe you're struggling with where to go, where to start with that. So let me offer two places to start. If you're, if you're, if you're feeling called to do that, if you're being called to step more fully into being a steward rather than an owner, but you're not sure where to start, well, the first thing I would offer to you is that on our website, there's a spiritual gifts assessment that you can take. And I encourage you, it'll take you about 20, 30 minutes to do it. But it will begin to illuminate for you the spiritual gifts that you have that God's bestowed upon you. And Alan's leading a quarterly kind of unpacking of spiritual gifts in between worship hours. We had it a couple weeks ago. We'll have it again next quarter. And you can join him having taken that assessment and begin to discover and discern how you can put those gifts into mission and ministry in your own lives and through this community. And the second thing is this, save the dates. March 12th, we're going to have a serve summit here on this campus. And I didn't tell Ann this, but I've signed her up. We're going to cook for y'all. We're going to serve y'all. But I want y'all to consider joining us for a summit where we'll gather that morning and we'll be reminded of our why and how we serve and look at the various ways in which you can serve in and through this local community of faith called The Way. And I encourage you to join up, sign up for that to discern further how you can make an impact in this world through this community. And so I want to leave you with this. So many of us have already begun that journey of going from ownership to stewardship. But imagine how much more of an impact you can make in your neighborhood. Imagine how much more of an impact you can make in the small group that you're part of. Imagine how much more of an impact you can make in the school's or in the hospitals where you work or serve. Imagine how much more of an impact we can make as a body of faith if we were more faithful and intentional 
about becoming stewards of what God has entrusted us with rather than claiming it as our own. I guarantee you, it will change the way we see the world. It will change our priorities. And more importantly, it will change the impact that we make for the sake of the kingdom and to the glory of God. Let us be a community committed to the core value of being stewards. Can you get an amen? Amen. Amen. I want to pray for us, and then I'm going to lead us in a collective prayer that's in the ILI book. And if you're interested, join in on Wednesday to dig in more with Doug and Michelle Milner over at 630 in Georgia Dawson building. But let us pray today. Would you pray with me? God, we, um, I thank you for today. And I thank you for the many ways that you speak life into us and you reveal your provision. God, some of us lived through a season of scarcity in our own life. And all of us live in a world that has a mindset of scarcity. What we see even on the global scale of the U.S. competing with China or the Ukraine and Russian conflict, it's all about a mind mentality sense of scarcity. But God, you're a God of abundance. You came to give us life and life abundant. And God, in response to that, you invite us to see that everything we have and all that we are is a gift from you. So God, I pray this morning would be a a moment of challenge to each and every one of us. Beginning with myself, of the ways in which I look to relationships and to the things of this world that are within my hands or possession, if you will. And I treat it like mine rather than yours, God. Holy Spirit, would you just convict me? Would you convict us of how we can be more impactful in this world if we would see those things more as a steward? I ask that in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, Amen. And I invite you now to join in this prayer together. Lord, I recognize that you are the owner of all that I have. I am the only administrator of the material resources that you have. Entrusted to me in the time I have to live, I commit to managing your resources wisely and ask your guidance to do so. Teach me to be a better steward of what I have so I can be entrusted with more. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you hear that entrusted more? God wants to bless us with more. God wants to bless us with more. Let us be good stewards of that which he's given us. Amen? Amen.